0: This is- Yes! Oh, I'm it's so glad satisfying. that worked. That was extremely satisfying. Yeah.
1: You guys, in a in a departure, we'll be drinking red wine tonight because the episode was very hard to watch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also, it's chilly here,
1: and it's cold. And Allison knows my boyfriend is the pet- is the iron uh, ironstone Petit Syrah, which she kindly brought to me tonight.
0: It's, it's delish. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like the worst possible song to have stuck in my head right now <laughs> is the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend parody of The Farmer and the Cowman from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I, I had seen the episode before, Julia not. We watched it together. It's a difficult watch. Mm-hmm. And we get done, and all of a sudden, I just... I don't want to spoil the Crazy X song for anyone. So the Oklahoma version is, Oh, the farmer and the cowman should be friends. Oh, the farmer and the cowman (laughs) should be friends. One man likes to push a plow, the other likes to chase a cow, but that's no reason why they can't be friends. Can territory folks should stick together. This is the bit: territory folks should all be pals. <laughs> Farmers dance with the plowman's daughter, cowman dance with the ranger's gal. Wait, 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 wait! Have we passed
1: the fifteen-second mark? Do we owe Rodgers and Hammerstein money now? Welcome to Podlander
0: Drunkcaster Outlander Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Julie. There's no Janine this week, There's no Janine this week. Sorry. He's very tired. Him, Janine being the mensch that he is, he was going to get off of a plane at O'Hare and come directly here. Um, I don't know why neither one of us said, don't do that. No, bro. It just didn't occur. I mean, I think, frankly, the man deserves a drink. I thought maybe he would want to join us, but he rightly today emailed and was like, I can't. I'm too tired. So we're on our own today. Um Julia I think we got set this, a timer. We'll see. Well, I just did what Janine always does just so we can keep an eye on it. But no, it's good. It's good. Um but you know, we tend to like just we just blow right past nap time, as Buster <laughs> Bluth would say. Yep. Um so We'll see. We're going to try really hard to stay on task. Uh, We today are talking about season four, episode two of Outlander, Do No Harm. Right. An episode that is uh, probably going to make some, um, let's say, book loyalists who don't like Adaptations? I don't know. Um, it's pretty mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but which I think is very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe like we're going to spend the majority of th- this episode talking about the really difficult stuff. So I wonder if we should get the fact that they cut the Mountain Man ball sack surgery out of the way now. I am
1: I feel robbed. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, it's very sad to um, me that I didn't get to see Hagrid's fucking
0: hernia surgery. <laughs> Hagrid's hernia. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it feels weird to talk about like any of the minor stuff, but maybe maybe we should just get it all out of the way. Mm-hmm. So that's, here's one that John Quincy Myers, played uh, by Kyle Reese, got it. Who I think does a very nice job. Mm-hmm. Oh, do um, we
1: see him again? Yeah,
0: I'm gonna yeah, guess. Okay. Yeah, he. Um, isn't like a figure that looms insanely large in the books, uh, but he will be back soon. Okay. Um, I, I think I mentioned, no, I know I mentioned this last week. I've seen the first six. Um, you can read my very general, non specific thoughts since we weren't allowed to talk about fucking anything at <laughs> rogerebert.com. Um, oh! Were you supposed to do the
1: uh, like official opening thing where we to say something about the Outlander, the Stars Show Outlander? Is that a thing that you have to do now or no? Do
0: I do that? I don't know. You did. I think you did last week. The Stars Series Outlander. We're talking about the <coughs> Stars Series Outlander. Yep. Mm-hmm. Neil, are you taking in your headphones to take a poop? Just, this is where they go. Okay. They're Bluetooth. I, well, I assumed. Uh but are they poo tooth? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh the farmer and the cowman should be friends. <laughs> okay, uh, have fun. Great. Um <laughs> he's about to just do d- He's just going to rip it up. <laughs> uh,
1: so and we shall pay the price.
0: Uh the Star Series Outlander season 4 episode 2, Do No Harm. Got it. Um but we were talking about Hagrid's hernia and how you yeah, missed it. I did. It's you know, they um, have to cut things. That's how book adaptations work. Mm-hmm. And here's a secret for those of you who don't read the books. They just get longer mm-hmm. <laughs> written in my own heart's blood is like, like a really, like as a murder weapon, it has a lot of promise.
1: <laughs> like if it's by your front door, just keep it there in yeah, case and you open just, the door and it's a stranger
0: boom, <laughs> right in the face.
1: <laughs> okay. Um,
0: it's yeah, it, it's a hefty one? book. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, apparently the word is 2019 next outlander book.
1: And is it the, it not is, announced yet, but is the next one, the final one? No. Oh, it's going to keep going, huh? Yeah. So I'm fucking just trapped. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You in, guys, in I your, love you. Hashtag blessed. Blast. Blast. Hashtag Blast. humble Blast. and blessed. Blast. Um, yeah. Anyway. So in the books, in the books, uh, if you, I guess if you don't want to be spoiled on events of a book, you're watching a TV show, then skip, I don't know. I just This isn't a you, fucking spoiler. It would have been in this point, episode. Who, I just have it to believe that our episode. audience
1: understands that I don't this know. Is I happen. had somebody
0: get mad at me at the AV club last week because I did a What's On Tonight that the, the title was, um, The Walking Dead Says Happy Trails to Rick Grimes. It was fucking National news. That was all. That, that was Andrew Lincoln everywhere. was leaving The Walking Dead. It was everywhere. It, AMC was like Rick Grimes' final episodes for weeks. Yes, it was national I didn't even news. Watch the show so when I like, knew that was happening in oh, fuck, the headline and in, in the picture. Person. And here's the real kicker of it: the picture was of a thing that had happened in the previous episode. It was like the biggest TV news. This person was like I managed to avoid it everywhere but here. It's like is the AV Club the only site you visit? How because do you have
1: a job where you're not on the motherfucking I internet. It
0: was fucking everywhere. Anyway, sorry. point have, being, if you really don't f- want to know about what about the John shit. Quincy Myers introduction in the books, then I guess skip ahead like two minutes. But anyway, or 10, um, so I, I want to dig this. around this
1: hernia surgery. Oh,
0: <laughs> it's great. So John Quincy Myers, meet, he's going to bring them to River Run. He meets them in town before they're going to River Run because they go to River Run and spend like what little money they have left on clothes so they won't look like hobos. Um, and he meets them there. Like, oh, I happen to know your aunt, whatever, and they have a nice chat. And he's like he's like Mountain Man Santa, basically, mm-hmm. as you see in the he's show. He's Yukon Cornelius. He's totally Yukon Cornelius. <laughs> um, he's like Hagrid plus Yukon Cornelius plus Tr- Trader Joe. I yeah. don't know.
1: <laughs> Trapper. Well, I was going to say Trapper John MD, but that's a completely different thing. Well, and it's so, so it's Trader Joe,
0: actually. I was, the mm-hmm. funny thing is I was thinking like, God, I don't know some fucking Paul Bunyan. There you go. Right? Mm-hmm. Um but instead I thought Lewis Carroll <laughs> which is not correct. <laughs> very different. <laughs> he, he wrote uh, he 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 wrote uh, Alice in uh, Wonderland, Wonderland, Wonderland and in the Through Winky. the Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um so they meet Myers and He's like, wait, 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 you're a doctor? Look at this thing. <laughs> uh, I've got this thing in between my fucking legs where my nut sack is. It looks like I've grown a third ball. This is, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but I'm paraphrasing to the best of my recollection. He really is like, it looks like I grew a third nut. It's really weird. <laughs> Claire's like, well, that sounds like a hernia. He's like, okay, well, can you help me, Doc. She says, well, sure, but we're going to need to like plan this. You know, It's going to have to be a sterile environment. We're going to have to get you drunk because I don't have anything to put you unconscious. So You're going to have to just be wasted. And, and then, yeah, we'll figure it out eventually. He's like, great. Thanks, lady. <laughs> uh, then Jocasta throws this party.
1: Is it this party uh, in the book? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Funny. And all of a sudden- Boy, I, I would have loved to have seen that.
0: Tense moment- Door flies open. There's John Quincy Myers just. Schnackered. Like, <laughs> shit house wasted. Like, off his nut, three nuts wasted. And he's like. <laughs> and that's hard because that's a tripod. Claire, that's like. Balanced. I'm here. I did what you said. I'm real drunk. Let's cut open my ballsack. sack. And then Claire is like, oh, and then he falls on the table and passes out. Claire's like, Okay, right, let's do so this. we're doing this. And uh, then gets like really into it and is like, syringe, scalpel.
1: Cross. Actually, that's interesting. I'm going to fast forward a little bit into the episode, even though it's a much more somber kind of version of it. You told me that in the books, the thing that happens to Rufus happens out in the field, but here it happens on the table. So it's kind of like they took that. A little. It's uh, obviously not way more showboating. No, she's right? not showboating, but she is into the surgery aspect of it. But yes. it's just a different mindset. Yeah.
0: But that's interesting. But it is on the table, like it's on the table yep. here. I mentioned in our Slack channel for people who are on the the old Patreon that occasionally it feels a little bit like the show is trolling book readers. Mm-hmm. This isn't an instance of that per se, but it's kind of similar, in that it feels like they're nodding to this other thing that happens in right. having her perform this surgery on Jacasta's big beautiful dinner. Table. Right. Um, anyway, what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, I miss when they when Claire <laughs> slices open a dude's nutsack at a party. As a party trick, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a pretty good party trick. That is pretty good. Um, I mean, I couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss, I miss that. Okay. Um. There are some weird parties at JoCastus, man. There's a later party at Jocasta's. like weird, like eyes wide shut, weird, or a little. No way. <laughs> well, this particular one I was about to tell you about. There's later. There's a party at Jocasta's where a character gets. Like a like a foot massage, and has somebody play like this little piggy into market on their feet without assuming that it's the person they assume it would be, but then there's actually no evidence that it was that person, and it's never revealed.
1: Wait, is it? Are they blindfolded?
0: Is it like a whole no, it's blindfolded Dark. It's oh. a big party, so there are like fifteen people sleeping in this room.
1: Whoa! Yeah, it's like a
0: huge party, so there are guests everywhere. Are we and- saying
1: that Angie Costas freak?
0: No. No. What?
1: No. Why is she having these it's crazy not, parties? She,
0: it's a wedding. She oh. has a, it's like a big, big fucking fancy wedding. Okay. Anyway.
1: But people are Patty. playing this little piggy in the dark. <laughs> yeah. That's freaky. Yeah, it is a little freaky.
0: But it's not Joe <laughs> Okay. She All could right. I mean like I mean she couldn't she, see it anyway. She would be <laughs> she would actually be better equipped to locate a person's feet in the dark mm-hmm. because it would be like the Audrey Hepburn movie where she's blind. Wait until dark. Yes. That <laughs> I, and she would, she would be like, she'd be able to like smell whoever it was. A foot. Right. She'd be like, yeah, I got it. This little piggy. Anyway, I think we just solved a major book mystery is what I'm saying. Anyway, okay. Um, so there's that, uh, Ian also, if memory serves, Ian also gets skunked in the books. I'm a little bit bummed that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Ian is like slightly more hapless in the books. mm mm-hmm. um, but he, John Bell is just so fucking I was going to say, I
1: think it might just be because John Bell radiates some kind of like whimsical intelligence. I don't know a better way to say it, that it would be really hard to make him 100% like hapless. I, oh,
0: I love it. Whimsical intelligence, the John Bell story. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, really, I was also telling Julie this when we were watching live. I really like that they're making clear how much Ian um, cares about Claire. Because they haven't known each other that long. Mm -hmm. And the majority of the time they've known each other, he was a fucking captive on a pirate ship. Right. So, I mean, it's not like they spend a bunch of QT. You know what I mean? Although
1: he is a great... As you said, when we were watching it, he probably wasn't as helpful in the surgery scene in the book as he was in this yeah. one. So maybe they just made him slightly smarter.
0: Yeah. Um, but, I, but the skunk scene is fun. Yeah. Um, Has
1: anyone in our, any of our listeners, please respond through social media of your choice or Slack channel or whatever. Has anyone ever been sprayed by a skunk? I have never been sprayed by a skunk. And coming from Arkansas, that is actually a badge of achievement. <laughs> I have never had a dog get sprayed. By a skunk. However, I'm terrified in Rogers Park, Illinois, Chicago, that oh, yeah. I'm going to get sprayed by that motherfucking skunk that lives in our skunk. neighborhood.
0: Yeah, we have a giant skunk that wanders up to the the back gate of the apartment Tom and I live in. Sometimes
1: I can smell him. Sometimes in the morning. Oh yeah, me too. And I'm just like, what? And it's very clear that it's not weed because sometimes weed smells like a skunk. No, this is one. This is way more acrid and like burning nostril-y. And
0: well, and it's it's like a little bit like pencil erasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But there's a skunk that definitely lives on my street. Yeah. I was about to say the name of my street, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no. uh, that lives on my street, and um, I can smell him, and it's weird that I'm in Chicago, and it's like all of a sudden I'm back in Arkansas. So being what I'm saying is... has urban anybody, skunk. <laughs> urban skunk. Has anyone... Punk skunk? Skunk? Nah. Has anyone ever been hosed by one, first of all? Secondly, if you were, tell the story, please.
0: That is all. Skup. Skunk urban professional. <laughs> scuppy scuppy yes yes Scuppy. Yes. we got scuppie. a scuppy we have in a scuppy
1: mm-hmm. um <laughs> he has a professional too because i haven't heard of anyone getting hosed so he's just like walking around stinky butt but like getting his food and going back to his den he doesn't have time to fuck around with anybody I Where his den is Dennis? somewhere nearby somewhere between our houses i would have thought it was in that warren lot that used to be the rabbit warren that then got paved over by a certain catholic university for nobody to park in
0: Yeah, it's weird. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. So I think let's do... Now let's do the summary. Okay. Let's do what we normally do, and we'll get to some of the lighter things. Um, I do want to say this. Julie and I, last year, before we really start, in season three, the first time that Outlander was like, we should probably acknowledge slavery, huh? Um, The show really whiffed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so did we, like really hardcore whiffed it. Did not put anywhere near enough thought into what we were saying. Um, We're just like real white ladies about it. And we still happen to be white ladies and are both just gonna try really hard to make sure that we're not fucking idiots about this um but hey if you listen to the show and are not a white lady and you want to talk to us about it send me a message on twitter or on our email or i don't know fucking facebook wherever the fuck we can send messages i don't know where people send messages anymore um because we would love to hear your thoughts and to talk to somebody who's not us yes. about this episode in particular All right. Uh, So here we go. Let's talk about some fucking, let's talk about the biggest fucking stain in American history. Uh, Well, no, let's call it a, we've got a couple of things tied. We've got uh, slavery and we've got mm -hmm. the just fucking reprehensible way that we treated the people who lived here before we showed up. Right. Um, Among other things, we've got a pretty shitty history as a country. Um, But in this case, we're we're just outlander is just getting right into slavery and they did a much better job this time.
1: And it looks like, based on the preview of next week's episode, we're getting into the other stain oh, yeah. on our country's history. So it's they're just going to dive right in there. Diana, I have to say, you have all the confidence of a white woman. All right, so the clock, the... Uh Title card is a clock being wound. It's a beautiful grandfather clock, and since we haven't been to River Run, River Run yet, we know that this is Jacosta's beautiful grandfather clock. At first, I was like, "What is this going to have to do with the episode?" But then, of course, later it becomes very obvious what it has to do with it. Um, uh, and it is being wound by a slave. So you're they kind of like bring you in there, like, "Oh yeah, here we go. We're going to talk about this now." Uh, it was this episode was directed by Julian Holmes and written by.
0: Uh, a lady, Karen right? Campbell. Nice. Okay. Um, and of course, you know, writer's rooms, it's like, who knows who all worked on it. They all worked on it. Mm-hmm. But um, but she is the credited writer and I think did a really great job. We have, uh, this is, uh, Julian Holmes also directed the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um I think maybe we're getting another one from him. Uh, he also directed uh, an episode of Daredevil, an episode of Iron Fist. What episode of Daredevil was it? Does it say uh, the perfect game? Hmm. I wonder
1: which one that was. I haven't watched all of it. I've just like dropped in on Neil every ca- occasionally watching it, and sometimes it's pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I agree. All right. Well, Julian Holmes.
0: Lots of British TV. I'm going to say lots of British TV. I
1: preferred this episode to episode one. Uh. Because it was um, of more of one story and not more Mm -hmm. of a, like, set up thing that episode one had to be. All right. So uh, for a minute, we're on
0: the riverboat. Hold on. That's what I was going to say. And Karen Campbell um, uh, has been working on the show for a while uh, as a producer. Um, She also wrote... The creme de menthe episode, oh, yeah. which was a very good one, and Uncharted, <laughs> Uncharted. which is, ah, <laughs> it's when Claire is Survivor Barbie. Yeah. So half of a good episode. And I then... mean, I think, I think that episode is pretty good, no. um, but come on.
1: Coco's in that episode. Coco is great. Father Fog or whatever his name was. Fogden. Fogden. Well, he was living in a fog. That was he pretty was. funny. Uh, I also really liked his. Uh, come on, what remember the fire ants? Oh my god, no! I, rem- I remember Survivor Barbie. Don't worry, I remember Survivor Barbie. I just have just a bad taste in my mouth for season three. Like anything that reminds me of it, I get a little sad. So anyway, Patty, let's move forward. Um, so we get, we're treated to the horrible green screen for approximately 30 seconds. Yeah. Really
0: fast. Because once we're at river run, no more green screen. Thank God. It's beautiful. This set they found is fucking beautiful. But
1: Jamie is on the boat and he's real sad that they got attacked the night before and that he couldn't do anything about it. And Claire's all like, yeah, uh, sorry, they were armed and there were way more of them. So just, you know, like, let it go. You don't have to protect everybody. And he's like, "Mm, you're right. And then we're at river run. (laughs) uh, Angie Costa comes down this big long walkway directly to the river on the arm of a slave. And at first I was like, that's interesting. And then when Jamie uh, introduces himself, she kind of looks sad about it. And I'm trying to figure out why she looks a little bit strange. And then we
0: realize, and I had no idea. It's a good moment. That she's blind. So, and the way they handle this in the. Um It takes them a little bit longer to figure it out Mm -hmm. in the book. Um, I think it's like Claire sort of sees Ulysses like placing things where she knows to reach for them and stuff. Um, But here it's Ian rushes up all fucking delightful. (laughs)
1: Whimsically intelligent.
0: Whimsically intelligent. (laughs) And hands her some flowers and she doesn't do anything. Uh, And then Ulysses steps forward and says, ma'am, your nephew... In a fucking flowers. flawless American accent. Because we
1: found out that this actor's British?
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, they're almost all the actors right. they're hiring are, right? But yeah, he was born in 1961 in Clapton, London, England. Colin McFarlane. Colin McFarlane. Is Ulysses' his name. Good peerless job. Peerless fucking... But his American American accent accent. was real good. It is really on point. It's almost
1: always true that British people can do a better American
0: accent than Americans can do British accent. Oh, I have heard some. Some are bad. I mean, some very bad. I mean, David Tennant. Y'all know how I hold on. I'm just gonna pretend to lick the microphone. (laughs) You know how I feel about David Tennant. Jesus Christ. Bad. Oof. He got a little bit better. He's in this terrible HBO show called Camping. And mm. every once in a while, I'm like, that was perfect. That sounded like an actual person. And then the rest of the time, he's like, well, I don't know. Let's go to that camp Like that. It's really bad. It's really, really, really oh. bad. That, that's horrible. Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. uh, of Andrew Garfield fame. Before... <laughs> Before he was famous, did an episode of Doctor Who that was set in the United States, and he was supposed to be, I think, from Mississippi. And like, I was from Mississippi, oh, man. I like, got
1: I got a real hard time with the Southern accents in general. That one yeah. for me is rough when it's a non-native speaker yes, trying ma'am. to do a
0: Southern I accent. Do, I it's like he watched oh, oh, fog Foghorn horn, Leghorn yeah. from
1: beginning to end.
0: Um, anyway, this one is. On fucking point, it is great,
1: peerless. So we find out uh, that she's blind. I thought, as Allison said, it was kind of an interesting reveal, and I had no idea. Nobody spoiled that for me. It was a surprising surprise. (laughs) And then we go into River Run, and we're chatting, and Claire seems distracted. Allison, why is Claire so distracted?
0: Uh, Well, it's worth mentioning, Julie, Mm -hmm. that the first shot that we see of River Run, there is a little person. On mm-hmm. the porch sweeping. Mm-hmm. And that person uh, is a person who is also fucking somebody's property. Yeah. Um, because River Run is a plantation mm-hmm. and as such has 152 slaves. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, and Claire just can't. Yeah. She just can't. It's She's okay at first. She's excited to meet Jocasta. Um, she seems like. Just a teeny tiny bit wary because those Mackenzies are crafty sons of bitches. And we'll see that she had reason to be wary. Oh yeah. She mm-hmm. is she's a lot like
1: You know who won't see it? Aunt Jocasta. Oh boy.
0: Ooh. There's this moment where um Oh
1: Allison has to take an, on, an earring. I'm out. It's, hurting. An earring. it's
0: hurt my earrings are hurting. Um I just lost my train of thought. It's oh uh when they're when we get to the scene. You know what? No, I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it for that. Okay. Hold on, still taking my earrings, hold oh. on. Get them out. Can you hear my headphones creaking? No. I think only you can. I
1: can hear you taking the earring out. That's interesting.
0: <laughs> that is my <laughs> earring, guys. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah. So, there are 152 slaves.
1: Mm-hmm. And that... Does that come out in their first conversation no. or is it no but pretty that shortly but after. that's that's when they're, they're mostly
0: out the worried about what jamie is very worried about what it's going to be like he hasn't seen this woman since he was a teeny tiny child and the first now thing she penniless. says to him is
1: you're a giant which by the way that's before we find out she's blind is it just that she oh, can she feel him. right so she puts I mean, her arm like, around him and she's like it's still going
0: yeah <laughs> okay. uh, but she does say you had the most beautiful crop of red hair and nobody bought blacks Blink's an eye, mm-hmm. bats an eye, blats an eye. Especially not her. <laughs>
1: okay, really? I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. It's just um, too easy.
0: So I, I, to answer your question, mm-hmm. um, why did she look so sad? I think she had a sister that she loved. Her sister died. Mm-hmm. And now her sister's child is standing in front of her and she can't actually oh, see him. Yeah. Right? That's a great point. Um and he can see her and says, you know, she it's my mother's smile, my mother's whatever.
1: I will say when she said the thing about the most beautiful crop of red hair that I laughed out loud and I laughed for so long that Allison had to rewind the thing to go back because yeah. I was laughing at the wig. It wasn't as bad as a lot of y'all said, by the way, but it's pretty bad. I don't love the bangs. Yeah, they just look kind of like oily and... just I like think that. maybe
0: they're supposed to look like sweaty. Yeah. Or like he's, I don't know, is it supposed to age him or something? I think it's just, I mean, it has to be just how the hair was worn. Maybe he's just got a really giant forehead.
1: He does have a five head.
0: <laughs> like a Christina Ricci head. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> and they're just trying to de-emphasize. So
1: they go back to the house. It's a beautiful fucking house. And like- she's
0: immediately like, your family. You can stay as long as you, you can need. You stay no, whatever. No, seriously. You stay. You really should stay as long as no, you No, seriously. Seriously. Like, Have why a don't you stay? Uh, Why
1: don't you just take this We're family. Bedroom. I don't know we're if you family. Can, we're
0: family. Just, just please, stay. You just stay. You just should stay. stay.
1: Stay. It's cool. Just a little bit longer. If you stay. <laughs> it's cool if you stay. Did I mention it's cool if you stay? And at first you're like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, she's a nice aunt.
0: Nah. She also right away is like, and people here are just going to love you. They're going to love you right if they meet you at this party I'm going to be throwing in your honor in fucking five minutes. See you party. So as they're having this conversation, all of a sudden, uh, Jocasta is like, oh, Lord, that's a terrible fucking smell.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. And she smells it before anyone else, obviously, because she did mention this, that her other senses are very heightened, since so she lost There's her sight. There's a really sight. good
0: line about, um, I have a hearing that would be the envy of any gossip mm-hmm. and a way of telling truth from lies, mm-hmm. which we see. She's uh, really fucking clever and crafty. Mm-hmm.
1: So fucking Rollo got hosed. Welcome to America, Rollo. Squirted a foul...
0: Liquid automat anus or arse arse. arse. <laughs> no, it's. I think it's anus because later he says it smelled like the devil's arse. Yeah,
1: I, did he say he did say anus, and then he was like, it looked like a badger. It's Like, oh, you've never seen a skunk before. But black and white striped. So, are sk- are skunks indigenous to the to na- to North America? I guess they are.
0: Well. There aren't any in Scotland I guess not Well, I mean, it's an island nation In Scotland, they're called mech skunks (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man We miss you, Janine He's not
1: gonna listen No, he never would That was good, though
0: Well, because, you know, we used to talk shit about Kevin Assuming he didn't listen Mm -hmm. And then he did Uh Maybe maybe he'll listen Janine, if you're there, clap twice
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway So, skunk got him um, and then I wrote a little note here that says, in our neighborhood, but we already covered our our scuppy. Um, we've met Ulyss- Ulysses, and that is uh, Aunt Jocasta's main servant, the man that's always with her. That's like kind of her body man, like always putting things, where, like you said, mm-hmm. where she can reach them or telling her things or like letting her know, like he's her eyes, basically.
0: There's this, um, there is a really great description in the books when Claire is sort of watching him and he will put... He'll see that she's reaching for something and will put it out right before she reaches for it. Um, He knows where everything goes so that she can move around mostly without him Mm -hmm. because he just like manages her path. It's Mm -hmm. very cool. Um, Except for the fact that he's He's a a slave. A slave. Um, Uh,
1: And then they are shown to their guest bedroom and there are two more slaves in there, Phaedra and Mary. And Claire immediately is like, don't call me Claire. And that freaks them right out because they are scared of what will happen to them if they do. Mm -hmm. And Claire has absolutely no idea of the
0: repercussions or what could happen to people. But she can tell that something is wrong. So then she says, mistress, Mistress Claire. Claire. And they're all still like, Uh, okay. And Ulysses is
1: in the background like, "Mm." you can just see that Ulysses is a little, Wary, yes, as everyone would be. Um, and then, uh, at, at right before they were shown to their bedroom, Angie Casta said, Oh, I know somebody can deal with your skunk problem. That's John Quincy Myers, who we already briefly touched on, who is the Hagrid of River Run, we discussed. And he tells him that, uh, tells Ian that all Rollo has to do is take a bath in vinegar.
0: Yeah, so they give old Rollo, a nice bath and vinegar, and have a little conversation about the native populace. Um, Where Ian is like, first he's like, I hear they cut your heart out and eat it with their hands. And Myers is like, no, no. They do scalp people sometimes, but no, that's fucking nuts. And Ian is like, "Oh, oh, yeah, of course that's nuts. He's like, you know, they view them as outsiders and they come to loggerheads and Ian is like, oh, that sounds like the the Campbells and the Murrays. <laughs> they don't sound that different from Highlanders. And Myers is like, that's a good way of thinking about it, lad. And we see, we see in that moment, Ian gets a little bit more thoughtful than every other fucking person on the goddamn continent. Exactly. He's just like, just oh, a little bit more. So you mean like they just live here and they're just people who live here. And then we just showed up and now we live here, but they lived here first, basically? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which will become a whole thing for Ian. Ian is uh, very progressive. We'll see. I believe it though. He is.
1: Bless him. And then there's some dude at River Run, Lieutenant Wolf. Why,
0: why do they, people say lieutenant? I don't know. That's maybe
1: something we would have Janine here to look that up. I don't have anything. Siri,
0: Google. <laughs> why do people say lieutenant?
1: Why do people say lieutenant? Is it not just lieutenant, but
0: pronounced lieutenant? I mean, it is, is it lieutenant, like- but why do they say lieutenant? Is it? Okay. I found this on the web for why do people say lieutenant. It worked. Hold on. We're about to find an answer. Siri, Yay. who the fuck needs Janine? Just kidding. From The Guardian. Why exactly do the British say lieutenant as lieutenant? First response from Mark Dallas, London, UK. Well, how deaf yef say, Lieutenant? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Mark. Whoever um, you are. The
0: word. This is Richard Thompson Alarod, Denmark. The word was originally two Latin terms: locum, meaning in place of, and tenaris, meaning holding, toge- meaning holding together, meaning holding together. The phrase applied to anyone holding in place of someone else. Over time, the word locum evolved into the French lieu, yeah. which is pronounced in French as it is spelled. It is possible that when the English heard the French pronounce the compound word lieutenant, they perceived a slurring, which they heard as a V or F sound between the first and second syllables. Most most English-speaking nations, with the exception of the United States, still pronounce the word as though there is an F in it. As in Uh, lieutenant. Further response, nomad from London, England, because it's the correct pronunciation.
1: Oh, snaps. Hot take.
0: Very hot take. Anyway, <laughs> Lef, tenant, tenant Wolf. Leonard. Oh, God, okay, this so, guy's a douche. Yes. Lef, Lieutenant Wolf will be very important moving forward.
1: Well, he's obviously the guy that's had Aunt Jacosta's ear for a long time and has been trading her the, like, what did she say? Tobacco, indigo, all this shit she's growing. On behalf of a
0: contract with the Royal Navy. Right. So, so, so like, a big part of their money.
1: Is British, which I'm sure we could see a little bit rankled Jamie a little bit. Like mm-hmm. he was not happy about that. But oh well, he, because he's like, uh,
0: so uh, a little birdie told me that you should plant wheat. Muff, muff, muff. I'm so important. And, and is like, like mm. and Jamie goes, ha, You no. dummy. <laughs> you dumb. <laughs> You're really dumb. <laughs> I, you, if you do that, you'll get a bushel of regret. <laughs> JD coming in fast with the dad jokes. Mm-hmm. Man, a guy has two kids that he can't have any fucking contact with, and all of a sudden, dad jokes abound. Yeah, So, uh, it's clear that
1: Lieutenant Wolf is uh, trying to, not not going to say he's trying to get in Aunt Jocasta's breeches, but he is definitely like he's been sniffing around.
0: There's a, there's like a power play. Mm-hmm.
1: And Jamie is like, you need to understand that if you plant that wheat down by the river, it's going to flood out. You need drier land. It would be better for rice. And then Aunt Jocasta is all like, yes, rice fetches a higher price. Plus then I could feed my slaves. And you're like, oh, Aunt Jocasta, God damn it.
0: And I mean, then- it is better than not feeding them. Well, insulin. of course.
1: Well, but she could feed them cheaper is her point. And then Lieutenant Wolf is all like, hmm, who's this redheaded drink of water?
0: I'll come back when you're not entertaining kin.
1: Yeah. Ooh, woof. Well, guess what? He's here for a while. And well. I, it's funny that, well, in Jocasta's mind. Yeah. And Jocasta, I think, played that perfectly because she did exactly what she wanted to do which was to set Jamie up as a voice of power in her house, Mm -hmm. which we're about to find out she's really following through with. And then he leaves and something happens and then she says women can't, talk out loud in front of people <laughs> like people don't take me
0: seriously or something. No, she doesn't actually say that. That's all shit that I told you that's in the books. Mm-hmm.
1: No, she did say something like coming from a woman. Oh yeah. It's, it's not- like
0: alluded to. Yes, right. absolutely. It's not as, uh, there are heated. matters that a woman in which a woman won't be listened to. Right. She's talking about her partnership with her late husband, Hector Cameron, um, who always consulted her on everything. And now he's dead and people will just like, rush right over her um also in this co- they so they're touring and they're talking about the growth and stuff and you can see that claire is very upset we've got mm-hmm. some shots of her looking out over into the fields and there are slaves working the fields and we get one very menacing shot of an overseer who is a real son of a bitch uh quote trademark claire mm-hmm. frazier um and uh they have a conversation about briefly that's like uh Oh no that comes later. Right? No, no, what, no, are they, no. what are they what what does she say on the porch before before wolf comes in? What's oh, the th- exchange that, that Claire wolf? has? Cuz they have another exchange when she's getting fitted in that dress.
1: Oh, the one the one when she's getting fitted in the dress is the, are you a Quaker? Yes. <laughs> when I was like, "Take it." <laughs> yeah. But no, she does have a conversation with her on the porch about it because she watch she sees them working and then asks her about it and Angie Costa tries, well, in her mind, is defending herself, saying,
0: "Uh, "My fans love it here," and it's like, "Oh, come on!" She says, "You know, I realized a long time ago that there." Um, more productive if they're treated with benevolence, and almost none of them had tried to run away. She also mentions that she buys her slaves in lots so that she is separating parents from children. Uh, and that is all very well and good, but it's still fucking slavery. Right. And you can see Claire being like, yeah. Yeah, so? but
1: did they have any say in the matter? What do you think they thought? Yeah,
0: because Jocasta says, oh, well, I think of some of them as friends. And Claire's basically like, I wonder they what think? they think.
1: Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh,
0: Claire's right. And also a terrible time traveler. And just really horrible time traveler. just a really, really bad time traveler. So then uh, they, get, they have to get all fitted up.
1: Yeah, they got to get fancy for the bumpkin gala. <laughs> the bumpkin gala? That's what I'm going to call it.
0: <laughs> I mean, those were some rich-ass
1: people. I know, but it's basically out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Is that the bumpkin gala? Can you Can you imagine if the Duke of Sandringham was still alive and he was at that party? Please. <laughs> That would be the best seat in the house would be to sit next to his shady ass and listen to him talk about everybody as they came in.
0: Oh, as the saying goes, (laughs) if you have nothing nice to say, come Come sit sit next to me. (laughs) (laughs) It would be like that. They would walk in in their, like, very fancy coats.
1: And he would say, oh,
0: those coats. Or he would say...
1: Those coats were so fashionable 10 years ago. What a lovely coat!
0: It would be a pity to separate it from your festering corpse. <laughs> So I miss Simon Callow. I'm going
1: to call it the Bumpkin Gala. But okay. So, Jocasta has planned this big party. You know, it's funny that I guess she knew Jamie and Claire were coming.
0: Yeah, they were to her.
1: Okay. So, she knew. So, she had planned it in advance, yeah. obviously. I think
0: in the books she doesn't actually know. But here, yeah, they But she can just
1: throw that party together like that because she's that bitch.
0: Oh, she's that bitch, yeah. Okay, so. she is that bitch. So, she has the party. And she also has 152 slaves. Yeah. So, Jeez. also that bitch. So...
1: At the party, oh, it, it, earlier it was mentioned um, because I had written down this question. What is Jocasta's relationship to Jared, the wine merchant in France?
0: Um, so, Jared is a Fraser. Mm-hmm. I think. Is Jared a Fraser or is Jared a Mackenzie?
1: Because she says something because she has Jared's wine. But earlier yeah. she says Well, something. so she
0: makes reference. I don't, does she have Jared's wine? She just says you brought out the good vintage.
1: Right. No, you're right about that. But earlier she says something to Jamie where yeah. she's like, so Jared she's, said
0: you were the ship. So she's corresponding with Jenny. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but she actually says Jared earlier. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. But what she says is with your experience with Jared's wine business. Mm-hmm. So that could have come from Jenny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Jared is a McKenzie. Nope, Jared Fraser.
1: Okay, cool, fine. So she whips out the good shit, which in my mind was Jared's wine, but obviously, no, it's just the good shit. It's just a good port. And it's a good port. And everybody in the room is all like, ooh, the good shit. Like you can feel it go through the crowd. Because it all comes ooh. out in these beautiful coops, and everyone's like, mm, this is good booze. And then she's like, cheers to the new head of River Run, my nephew, Jamie Fraser. And Jamie's all like, what? what, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's
0: like, oh, okay, She's that bitch. (laughs) She's that bitch. So, basically, it's all very lovely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thank you all for meeting my nephew and his wife and my great nephew. I have another announcement to make. You've all been wondering, and it keeps cutting to Wolf, who's like,
1: Brrr. Festering. You all know, been wondering tatter. who I was
0: going to leave my big fucking beautiful house to. Well, wonder no longer. And I think she actually says them. It's going to be my nephew who's going to start acting for me immediately. Right now. <laughs> like now. Like it just and happened. Jamie is like, uh, 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 oh, as Julie said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, cut to them upstairs, Claire and Jamie upstairs being like, the fuck? What? Which is when Jamie is like, "Yep, she's so, definitely Mackenzie." And then he says, "It feels like something Colum or Dougal would have done." To which I say, "Well, it feels like something Colum would have done." Yeah, <laughs> Dougal wouldn't have been Dougal. smart enough. Dougal was maybe not the brightest bulb yeah, in the box. He was. He was. Ma- Remember, one of Dougal's big devious plans was, "I'm going to find the grieving, potentially widow." Uh-huh. of my nephew, who I tried to kill once. And, we and I'm going to try to And I'm going to say, if, we get married. if your husband's dead, which he definitely is, we're going to get married. And that was the extent of his plan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and part of it was to protect her and all that sure, shit. but also, but just also, he also wanted because to- then he
0: thought he could get Lallybrock.
1: Right, and he also, I think, probably kind of wanted to boner. Oh, yeah. I mean, come wow. on. And he is the Sonny Corleone of the show. Mm-hmm. So as we know, he's not she Michael. she is a stone cold fox. And he's he's no Michael Corleone. Mm-hmm. So no. Column, yes. Dougal, no. Jocasta, that bitch. Mm-hmm. So she is crafty and I've got to know, I asked and they didn't really talk about it. Why? Why does she want to give it up? Is is it just because she's fucking old and blind and she just doesn't want to do it anymore? Or is it because men aren't listening to her and she's tired of that shit?
0: Men and are, you said something yeah. really cool. So this is more clear in the books. So um, in the next, they make it clear that she is outmaneuvering him Mackenzie-style. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this way, she has a man acting on her behalf who is, like, not a dumb fuck, right? Like, he really knows what he's doing, who can demand more respect Although you can, I will say, you can tell that the men who encounter Jocasta all recognize that she's formidable. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks to her. Like, she's a little blushing bride or anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, wolf tries, though. He tries really hard. He tries to pull one over on her, and Jamie is like, nope, she's that bitch, and he, I'm that bitch. He tries to pull the wolf over her eyes. <laughs> yes. um, but basically, in Jamie, she's got somebody who could do the job, mm-hmm. uh, but who showed up at her door. Penniless. Penniless. So he needs a home and he needs money. And if he starts acting on her behalf, he will know that she has the potential to take it all away. Mm-hmm. So he would be beholden the, to her, the man that people need to see, but not a husband or someone who would then try to vie for control with her. Mm-hmm. He would be beholden to her mm-hmm. um, and would always owe her. So she would be able to retain control while also gaining control because she'd be having people actually listen to her
1: for a fucking change.
0: So, um, yeah, so it is a very good plan. But what she was not prepared for was for Jamie and especially Claire to be like, well, I can't own slaves. I'm not doing that. So it becomes a whole thing. And, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Claire does some stupid things in this episode. But mm-hmm. saying, no, I can't own slaves is not, not among one of them. them. So
1: is it at the party when people run in freaking out?
0: No, it's after. So the next day, um, they meet Farquhar Campbell,
1: um, yes.
0: uh, another pretty important character, who is like a pretty solid dude and a friend of Jocasta's. Um and Jamie wants to know, like, hey, so I have some questions about this thing that you just said you were going to do without checking me with, with me first. And she's like, yeah, I know. Maybe I should have checked with you, but nah. <laughs> says, I have some questions. And Farquhar Campbell says, well, you maybe don't look a gift horse in the mouth. And is like, no, he's allowed to have questions. It's fine. Yeah, go ahead. Whatever. <laughs> Keep talking. Oh, did we now we skipped the dress fitting scene. We did. That was right before the party. So Jocasta let Claire have
1: one of her dresses and had Phaedra fit it to her. And describe it. And describe it. Her beautiful bosoms. But she was still a little bit shady about it because she's like, I'm sure you're too tall or you're too big and nobody wants a woman that like towers over them or whatever and Claire's like, "Uh, you can't even see me. (laughs) And Phaedra says something like, no, she's fair. Her skin is white. White as milk. And then Phaedra's, uh, sorry, Jocasta's all like, ah, does she get washed out in the dress? And we're like, no, she looks great. This is Katrina Belfry. She looks awesome. She looks amazing. <laughs> it's fine. She was a model first. Thank you for this dress.
0: But so it is funny in the Bumpkin Gala scene. But you- then they also start talking about, oh, yeah. um, about Lieutenant Wolf and his romantic designs on her. Oh, yeah. So that comes in. Also, it's the most Phaedra has to do in this episode. Phaedra, Phaedra is cool. Phaedra's the tits.
1: I can't wait to see her again. Yeah. So... Uh, in the bumpkin gala scene when she's wearing the dress I did notice how she's it doesn't, it's not a wedding dress, but because it is all ivory and white, it really stands out yeah. in the rest of the crowd, and it's interesting. They
0: also have a, a conversation where they're like, where, uh, she says something about, so they're talking about taxes, and Claire says something, and then Ian is like, yeah, and what about the people who lived here before, and we just like st- strolled in and took their shit, and Lieutenant Wolf goes, <laughs> <Naive>. <laughs> how charmingly Naive. And then says some shit about the Romans, and it's really gross. And, and then Claire, and Claire is like, and Ian Excuse are like, me. And goodbye. Ian is like, See ya. <laughs> Bye.
1: That was at the Bumpkin Gala.
0: Bumpkin Gala. Anyway, um, so they're having this conversation about Jamie's like, So, uh, yeah, sure, I'll do this, but I want to free all the slaves. And then Farker <laughs> Campbell is like, whoa, oh, whoa. <laughs> He's like, here's how much it would cost
1: per person. Here's what would happen. You would have all these people down your necks. It's not great. No
0: fucking way.
1: Right. And Jamie's like, but I'm not going to... There's got to be a way. So first it's...
0: Well, we're going to find the money to free them all. And then it's, well, then we're going to have to do X, Y, and Z because he just will not own slaves. And then after all that, Parker is like, well, but you have to understand that people who think the way that you think, they just fucking disappear. So you're putting yourself at risk and your wife at risk and your aunt at risk and your neighbors at risk and everybody at risk for even talking this way. Mm-hmm. And you need to be aware of that because you're a fucking idiot. hmm <coughs> Sorry.
1: No, it's all good. Um, so now a wrench is thrown in the whole thing because Jamie had not, you know, actually considered that far in advance. And obviously, neither had Claire.
0: And it's. It is good that this is what they think. Mm-hmm. Um, that they think no, no obviously. fucking slaves. Because that's right. Yeah, but. It's more complicated than that. It's, and, the, right. Slavery is bad. Is, Julie and I were talking about this. It's not enough to just say slavery is bad because slavery is bad. And ob, like, it would, like understatement of the fucking century, right? Mm-hmm. And it's that's the minimum entry level, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they both know that this is wrong and that's really important. And a step up from last year where Jamie was like, he, it's not like he thought it was good but was more concerned about just and then Claire's whole thing was just about her emotional experience and whatever right. it wasn't active but here um, they aren't being thoughtful mm-hmm. about Fucking anything. They're just, they know it's wrong and they're not actually bothering to educate themselves about what they can actually do about it Mm -hmm. and how they could do it without creating problems for the people they're trying to help, which is actually ends up being the biggest thing this episode is about. So as they're having this conversation, Claire and Jamie then start talking about, well, maybe the, Jamie leaves, and they start talking about well, maybe we should take the governor's offer instead. And Claire says, "Well, you have to remember, then we're going to be fighting a war." And they are both upset and frustrated. And then up rushes Ulysses and Jocasta.
1: And something is wrong in the fields. One of the slaves has attacked the overseer and cut his ear off. And so this means imminent death for the slave. And so everybody, and now Jamie's in charge. So they're like, get out there and deal with it. And then somebody's take like, these you got to take these guns. And Jamie's like, I don't need the guns. And Jocasta's like, take the fucking guns. And so he takes these pistols and they ride out there. And oi. With Farkard. So the overseer is very clearly a despicable human being. And had his ear cut off by a slave that Rufus. he... Rufus. That he hit and then they just went ahead and put a iron hook in Rufus's stomach and hung him up from a tree and we're just waiting for him to die. And so while the
0: overseer is holding like a piece of cloth to the hole where his ear used to be.
1: Right. So this is where Jamie and Claire write up is to see this. And Claire's first reaction is triage. He's no ear dude is obviously going to live. Hook dude is not. So I got to help him
0: first. Get him down. So Jamie turns the guns on the white people who are Mm furious and gets him, they get him down and Claire immediately realizes, I can't do anything about this here. We have to get him back to the house. So the whole reason they went was for Claire to tend to old one ear ass face slave master slave master and for Jamie to oversee the execution of this slave, who was supposed to be hanged. Mm-hmm. And I guess he fucking was hanged, but just not in a way that's... It's in a lawless way. There's no judge there. Farkard Campbell makes that it very was interesting. clear.
1: He comes out and he says, you should not have done this. This is beyond the law. Yes. And, it, I mean, the law obviously was shitty, but Farkard Campbell is right. You this would have happened anyway. Why did you go beyond the law? And it's because the overseer is a monster, a terrible, horrible person who just wanted this person to suffer.
0: Yeah. So they, they rush him back to the house and it is very obvious that all of the, the house slaves Mm -hmm. are terrified. Freaked out. Um, I mean you, Mary who we meet briefly, um, is like visibly sick to her stomach Mm
1: -hmm.
0: just like like cannot deal um and phaedra uh is having kind of a hard time focusing but claire gets her in motion they put him on the table the way they would have for john quincy myers if they were cutting open his third ball yeah (laughs) and um and claire hi, hi sophie Sophie watched this episode with us, too. She did.
1: Um, And then Claire proceeds to get Ian and Phaedra to be her... Uh, triage nurses to pull this hook out of Rufus's stomach.
0: If you were using the Outlander drunk bingo bingo card, you would have gotten your whiskey as it's medicine, medicine for sure. Because they're actually, using whiskey to sterilize. Out.
1: We didn't we didn't pull one out to play tonight, <laughs> but um, another time. I'm glad we didn't for this episode, actually.
0: Yeah. So so she pulls the hook out and sort of packs the wound with gauze and stabilizes him. Yeah, gets him stabilized. Jocasta comes in partway through and is like, "What the hell?" are you doing what the fuck uh is obviously very upset just like sophie
1: and come to find out that if a slave attacks a white person and i'm sure that this is not a surprise to anybody and they are they escape or or they don't die Then retribution will be taken out on other slaves who had nothing to do with the
0: first infraction, quote unquote. Yeah, there's a hi, Sophie. You can come up if you want. I'm glad we're friends today. So, um, basically, the rest of the episode is this: (laughs) it's Claire and Jamie just learning exactly how much trouble they have caused for everyone, including the other slaves. Mm -hmm. So, if he's not hanged, then all the slaves who were with him are going to be punished. Right. Presumably killed. Mm-hmm. Um, if he is not hanged, then they're going to pull him to pieces, and there is a, mo- like a mob comes running up to the house. They're going to pull him to pieces to make an example of him for the other slaves. Whereas if he had been, and granted, like he was already being punished and executed in an incredibly inhumane way mm-hmm. um so he was already getting far worse than the law actually and the law is fucking terrible too but right. like far worse than the law requires um but as ulysses tells claire in a very effective little that scene that was
1: i think my favorite scene that and rufus's death monologue were my two favorite things in yes the
0: episode. um so it's, at this point, like, actually going through an in order becomes kind of hard because it's just, it was just a, a lot. There's um, no, what Jamie and Claire come to find out is that there's no good answer here. They're they fucked. They know they have to hand him over by midnight, and there's just, they can't help him escape. There's nothing that they can do. They can't heal him and try to figure it out. There's nothing they can do. Uh, they've made things worse for basically everybody, including the person they were trying to help.
1: And then the torch-bearing mob of morons shows up, and we know that it's time is nigh, and they start breaking windows and shit, and Angelica Costa comes out and is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. My nephew Jamie will take care of this. We have until midnight. Fucking back the fuck up, bitches. And they're all like, rub, 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 rub rubble, rubble, rubble. They're fucking assholes. Yeah. And then Jamie goes in and is like, Claire...
0: Well, we've got that first Rufus scene first. So once Rufus wakes up... Ian is still there helping, and he wants to know where he is. And Claire says, Oh, uh, Ian says, Oh, you're in the main house. And he says, I'm not supposed to be here. And he's obviously very confused. Mm-hmm. So Claire and, J- and Ian are both trying to calm him down. Claire uses the word, she calls the overseer a son of a bitch. And Rufus looks really shocked. And Ian looks very proud <laughs> and says, um, That's not the worst language to hear from my Auntie Claire. <laughs> She uses words that would make a, a sailor, sailor blush. Mm-hmm. And, she, and Claire's like, well, yeah, okay, fine. That's yeah, actually yeah, true. Yeah, that's that's really true. I do like to cuss. I do like, I really like a swear word. Mm-hmm. Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ, Ian, stop telling on me.
1: Come on, Sophie, Sophie. Why don't you just sit on my lap? So we get the moment where he is okay for a minute and, and is conscious. And
0: in it, they ask him about whether or not he has any family on the plantation. Mm-hmm. that that they can go get. Um and he says no when he starts talking about his childhood in Africa. And it is a very good scene. Um where is Rufus Jerome Holder mm-hmm. who plays Rufus. Was great. Um is just great. Really and
1: great. So he talks about how he was a kid playing in his village in Africa in the trees. and this boat of white men came and just took all the boys
0: bigger than anything he'd ever seen in his life and ian
1: all of a sudden has an understanding yep and he is justifiably and understandably horrified claire of course
0: not surprised you know we blew over one of my favorite claire moments in the episode which is when it's before they know that river run is going to them they're looking out the window. And Claire is obviously upset. Mm-hmm. And th- th- she's watching the slaves in the field. And Jamie says, well, you you said it gets better, right? In some amount of time, it gets better. And Claire doesn't even answer. And Katrina Balfe does such a good job in this scene because it is very obvious that, like, sure, eventually... Slavery is outlawed, but things stay fucked forever. Yeah. It's and a like long Claire, time. you don't even know. It's the two thousand tens. Um Right. And she, also
1: she it's the first time like you can learn those things in history books and stuff, but until you actually actually see them. See it, it's not it's not gonna affect you as much in that way unless you have sensitivity. And I mean obviously she did, but like seeing it is different than learning about it.
0: Yeah. You know. And, the thing that I appreciate about this episode and the way it handles it is the last time in the season three episode. Mm-hmm. It was all about Claire's feelings. Mm-hmm. And here it is all about Claire's actions and the effect they have on people mm-hmm. and the futility of trying to just like change this this like systemic
1: subjugation of a race of people that will continue for ever
0: like <laughs> yeah um and sure she feels things mm-hmm. but the like the feelings of the people in this story that that ma- that shape the story are the well the fucking racists um the slave owners right mm-hmm. and their hate and anger and then the apprehension and confusion and fear and trepidation and grief of the actual people that this is affecting, right? Um, which is, I think, why that Ulysses scene is so good and why these Rufus scenes are so good, mm-hmm. because Claire's feelings don't really matter that much. Her actions do, and what they end up doing is the best possible thing, and it's still fucking terrible. It's
1: so but she Claire, has, f- yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's all good. She has the conversation with Rufus about his childhood. Ian learns something. It's late at night. Claire's like, okay, let's call it a night. Ian go to bed. This is the night before the torch mob shows up.
0: Oh no, it's the same night. Is it just it? is later. Yeah. It's the same night. It's oh, all thought- one night. Yeah. Okay.
1: So so it's like ten PM or whatever. Go to bed. She goes into the kitchen to clean up and there's Ulysses just waiting for her. And Ulysses is like, Why did you do this? Forgive me for speaking so frankly, but right. it would have
0: been better if you'd left him on that hook.
1: Because he's gonna die either way, and now it will be worse. It'll It'll be be worse for for him and worse for us. Worse for everybody, because he will be made an example, and other people will pay. And all of a sudden, Claire realizes has has a moment of clarity, where's like, oh, I fucked this right up. Okay.
0: Well, it's hard because it's like she doesn't. She is doing. She knows she's right. She's doing the right thing. Right. Um, but there isn't a right. There's no way out, right? Like there, she never truly
1: understood that there was actually physically no way out for these people until she was in this thing. So maybe a little bit we're learning something through a white woman's lens, but also if you didn't experience that, how would you ever know that feeling? How would you ever know? There's no way out. There's absolutely no way out. Yeah. And so She's like, well, what are we going to do? And Jamie's like, can you help him? Can you help him like you did? Call him. Because if we don't do it, that torch mob is going to do it.
0: There's no way that he has to be handed over to them. And the only thing that we can do now is to try to make it better. Mm -hmm. Which is why the episode Do No Harm episode title is so good because they do a lot of harm in trying to do the right thing. Which is, and the episode does not argue that doing the right thing is wrong. But everybody keeps talking to them about like their foolishness and their naivete and their, their like lack of insight and lack of knowledge. And it really is you, it's not enough to just like know in your heart that something is wrong Mm -hmm. and then act without actually thinking because you can end up doing more harm to the people you're trying to help.
1: And also a really canny callback to the Hippocratic Oath because it's all part of the same thing. Right. Um, So Claire realizes, she finally comes to realize, oh, oh, you know what? You're right.
0: And so she poisons him. And as he's dying, she asks him to tell him to tell her about his sister. It's and the it's, second this kid, it's
1: so good, Jerome Holder, great monologue, two it's, great scenes. It's the same thing that she did with what's his name when he got stabbed by the pig, and like you know that she spent time on a battlefield and that she's seen a lot of dudes die. Oh, and like, Julie,
0: that's a great observation. It is. It's just like that.
1: And so she is helping him be comfortable. And helping him remember something
0: good. Yeah.
1: And is this the first time that Jamie's seen her do it? Because Dougal saw her do it the first time It was like, I can't, it's not the first time you've ever seen a man die. I think maybe this might be the first time that Jamie's seen her do this.
0: Well, oh, I doubt it. Maybe not in the book, Even in the show, I doubt it because Mm -hmm. of all of the, I don't, at some point, there's all the stuff, all of the battles, yeah, yeah, with the BPD. Um,
1: But she has that moment where she does the thing where she's just, she knows this person is dying and does not betray any... Yeah,
0: when Angus dies. Right, yeah.
1: She doesn't betray any, like, distress or anything. She's just there as a calm To do no harm. ...influence. Yeah. And then he dies after he does this beautiful monologue about his sister and his village and how they used to like to go fishing at night and how he still does that here. And he thinks about her and the moon <laughs> and then he dies. And then, oh God, you know what? I can't, I, I have to stop because this is not about fucking white woman tears.
0: <laughs> it's not, but no. you're affected. You're allowed to be affected. It's a very powerful episode. <sighs> they it take his all body outside that- and
1: then that fucking mob
0: hangs him anyway you know that that scene the thing that affects me about it so much is those so in the in the books um it all takes place at the site right Right. like it's the exact same storyline hyper condensed Mm -hmm. um she figures out that like Maybe she could save him, but it's a long shot, because of the gravity of his wounds and infection and all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is probably going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and in an instant, Jamie is like, "Well, they're going to hang him, so they're going to save him. Maybe <laughs> just see if you can make him die faster. Mm-hmm. So she does. And that is what the story is about, because they all suspect it that she got him out of his punishment. Oh, so that because so that is the sticking point, and that is what everybody is suspicious about. Do you think that this is going to drastically change things moving forward? No. Or ex- okay, no, all right. Um, so as a result, we don't see this thing at the end. Um, but I think what's so upsetting about the final moments. Um, which, first of all, rightly, Julian Holmes does not make it all about Claire's tears and Ian's tears and Jamie's tears and Jocasta's tears, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, we see them, but the camera spends way more time on the black faces on the porch, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is extremely important. And Mm -hmm. basically no time on the white mob. Mm -hmm. Um, But those people were so hungry to destroy this person's body Mm -hmm. that they didn't even bother to check whether or not he was dead. So they're just... they didn't care. They're just dragging a corpse up and Mm -hmm. stringing it up. And it's uh, horrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, Very well handled by Julian Holmes. Um, I think very well adapted by Karen Campbell. Just a very effective hour of TV. Mm -hmm. And... They spend a lot of time at River Run in the books. Um, this is it. one storyline made much larger, and all the other storylines super condensed. Uh, and I think that that is, we still spend some more time at River Run, but I think it's a. Uh, a choice that is gonna frustrate some people, and I understand why because it's a really interesting section of the books, and Jocasta is a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not that's not the last we'll see of Jocasta. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in focusing on the thing they focused on, they actually got everything we needed to get from River Run. We get yep. that Jocasta is really crafty, we get that. Claire and Jamie ca- are not going to be able to find a way to take over River Run and not own slaves. We, ge- we get in a much more visceral way than the books do. Yeah. That it is impossible. Um, we get that... <laughs> we get the whole point that it is... Th- that there are... S- Sophie. Sophie... That
1: was Sophie's head underneath Whoa. the table because she was trying to get my lap. But she's here now. She's cool. Hi, kitty. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> we get that uh, Jocasta is like... Is not a monster, Mm -hmm. um, but also that she is culpable in fucking everything that she is doing. And that Jamie and Claire are not capable of being just not monstrous slave Mm -hmm. owners. Like, Mm -hmm. they can't. Mm -hmm. Um, So it drives them in the direction that they're in for the rest of the books. Um, Which is homesteading. And it's so (laughs) quick. It's just, like, a very effective adaptive choice. I mm-hmm. think, um, I can understand why some people might be upset about it, but I just think it's really, really effective and we will get more. We'll get plenty of time with Jocasta. Mm-hmm. Jocasta doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, why would you? <laughs> it's, uh, she's around for a long time. So, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Cause Maria Doyle Kennedy is great and I want more of her.
1: I had forgotten. And I know that Alison had told me this several times on the podcast, but every time I forget. I didn't watch all of Downton Abbey, but I watched enough of it to meet Mr. Bates's horrible ex-wife played by Maria Doyle Kennedy, and she was terrifying. Oh, yeah. Very, very good. So this woman is indeed formidable. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, I think that's it. Did we do everything?
1: And we did. We did not do scales. Have we done scales yet this year? Yeah, we did scales at the bar. Oh, that's right. We did do them at the bar. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so let's... Let's do some scales. I no, feel like they're doing jokey be. stuff. I
1: don't know if I can.
0: Okay. Well, it's going to be easy to talk about costumes because you know what? We haven't talked about production design at all. And okay. this episode is incredible. It's pretty good. It feels a lot like France all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, just like incredible costumes. But more pumpkinny. But more <laughs> pumpkinny. Incredible <laughs> costumes, uh, incredible set dressing, incredible mm-hmm. locations, no terrible CGI. No, well, that's a nice bonus. Just a little just, bit. Just thirty just seconds. Just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so scales. We you know what, we will we'll be able to revisit these costumes later because we'll do a costumes episode like we always do. But all right, scales. Uh for costumes on a scale of mm, that 70s show <laughs> for it's like it's accurate, it's to the period. Mm-hmm. Um but kind of bumpkin-y. Yeah. So like... I got you. I maybe that should be the top. No, it shouldn't be the top. That was really good costuming. <laughs> it's not going to be the top though. But okay. it's too good. I've, re, I've confused myself. Throw out that seventy show. Uh, but never... We're going to go with... <sniffs> mm, how about... All of the Rankin-Bass Christmas movies, <laughs> where some of them just aren't wearing pants. Okay. And everything has the same texture, mm-hmm. and you have no idea what the time period is. Right. That's the low end. Okay. The high end, Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> With Michael Kane. With Michael Kane. Everything's really detailed. Mm-hmm. No cheeses for us Mises. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've got all the bibs and bobs and all of the, I love them up at Christmas Carol. Anyway, where is it on that scale? So this you is, could also, if you want the top of the scale to be that seventy show, go for it.
1: This is pre-revolutionary war. Yes. So I always have to remember that because that, and rightly so, such yeah, an emphasis, years off. such an uh, emphasis has been placed on slavery as it should be that I forget how much earlier it is. Even though slavery was fucking 400 fucking years. Um, so um, a part of me wants to go in some civil war direction, but that was fucking 80 years hence, so the clothing was completely different. Oh, I know. This is pre pre-civil War, pre Let's talk about period appropriateness and horror. the witch. I did not like that I'm movie. I'm sorry,
0: the v the, the itch. The
1: v-, v v itch. I'm sorry, I need some monistat. The
0: just, no, it's because I in know the it's to two, two it's Vs, right. V- I get
1: it. Itch. The Vivch. V V Vivitch. Itch. Vivitch. Uh I did not particularly itch. care for the movie as a whole, but I did really appreciate the design elements of it. Yeah. And the costuming and the set scouting and everything was perfect, so I'm gonna go with the, the Vivich. Good, good choice. I really hated it at the end when it was all witches in the woods, and then she just walked in. Fuck it, fuck that. And then the goat. I'm sorry. If you haven't seen this movie, <laughs>
0: fuck it, <laughs> fuck that movie, fuck <laughs> it. Okay, I'm gonna do. Maybe this is where I'll say that 70s show because I talked myself into that being it like was. A, it, there was a perfect period. It piece. feels it's beautiful, but it feels really lived in. Mm-hmm. No Mad Men. That's the highest praise I can offer. It's very high praise. Madmen. Mm-hmm. Thoughtful. Col- there's a color story. Mm-hmm. Claire stands out. Jocasta, like, looks incredible, but also matches her home. Mm-hmm.
1: And kind of weirdly fades into it uh-huh. in a way that is echoed by her saying that people don't listen yeah. to her.
0: And then there's the contrast between Rufus on that white tablecloth and then Rufus on that, like, blood red velvet blanket that's on mm-hmm. Claire and Jamie's bed. Mm-hmm. Good shit. And then Meyer's costume is perfect. John Quincy Meyer's costume is like it, just great. He's
1: fucking Yukon Cornelius of yes, the American like, colonial yeah, experience. Yeah, okay.
0: Silver and gold, bitches. <laughs> but maybe that's why Rankin Bows occurred to me. Nothing. Alright, so um, we're just going to skip the quietest one. Cause I just feel weird about Mm-mm. it. First of all, there isn't any,
1: there isn't any. And also, sorry, no.
0: Yeah. All right. So this is the, how often you would get up to get another drink. The, this one with episodes like this, it's always difficult because it's, a, it, it's similar to like episodes like faith, mm-hmm. um, or Wentworth, right. Right. Where there are two ways of thinking on it. It could be, you need to pause it every 10 minutes to go get another drink because fuck. Goddamn. Or you can't, you just can't. Um, So I, and I will accept arguments for either. I'm just going to go in terms of intensity. Mm -hmm. So let's go, um, um, list the, the low end of the scale is going to be the first half of gone with the wind. Oh my
1: God. Have you watched that
0: recently? No. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. Doesn't age well? Doesn't age well. No, I know. Well, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Right? Because that, like, because they don't actually acknowledge any of the black people in that movie as being human beings. No. I'm going to go with a different one, though. I'm going to go with... What's, like, a cheery... (laughs) Tom Sawyer. Woof. Here, we're going to do a Mark Twain scale. Ooh! The Low End. The Adventures of Tom Sawyer is a really fun book. Mm Mm-hmm. Tom Sawyer.
1: High-end Huckleberry Finn?
0: Yeah. hmm Ah, you know what? No, we're going to go more intense. 12 Years a Slave. Ooh. I have Stephen Queen on the brain because I saw Widows a couple weeks ago. Very good, by the way. Widows. Man.
1: This is a very hard one for me to call. I mean, doy. There were moments in it that when I was reminded of Django a little bit. Um, obviously, in Django, the plantation, uh, all plantations are horrible, horrible, evil places. But the plantation in Django was sp- like specifically awful. And I think that they, it was something more like 500 slaves. Like it was, it was just really bad. And it was called Candyland, and that just makes me wanna fucking barf. Um, Django was a movie that I did not wanna watch, and I fought for a long time. Until two black friends of mine were like, you watch this now. And there are some incredibly gruesome things that happened in that film. And sometimes with Quentin Tarantino, I'm never sure whether or not it is for a reason or for an effect. I do not think anything in this episode was for an effect. So I think maybe Django is a little bit too extreme. But I surely didn't want to get up and get a beer during Django. Yeah. Mostly because Jamie Foxx and Christoph Waltz were so good together. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I might. I, th- I don't know if I have an answer to this one. Yeah. I didn't get up and get a beer. People watched
0: us. Like, you guys, what was that like?
1: Boring? Yes.
0: <laughs> I I think that maybe maybe the trouble we're having is that this is like, it's a specifically outlander phenomenon, right? Because this is never actually going to compare to something like 12 Years a Slave. No. Right? It's never going to compare to something like Roots. No. Um, but... I think maybe from now on, when we get to a, let's see what, what, Marilyn the Mustache can pull off. Mm-hmm. This will be our scale, right? Mm-hmm. We've got poor old Temerär, yeah, on the low end, mm-hmm. and we have Do No Harm on the high end, mm-hmm. because this is like this is a way that the show can explore. It would be much worse if Outlander pretended that slavery didn't exist.
1: Yes. Or because you can't.
0: That we didn't fucking... I don't even... the, the sh- n- Never mind. That was going to have to be spoiler section. Any of the issues relating to American settlers and Native Americans. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe those episodes are just going to have to exist on this scale because it's just something else. Mm-hmm. You know what? How about this? The first 10 minutes are a pretty great typical episode of Outlander. Right. Once they leave for the Turpentine site, Mm -hmm. it's something else. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Let's skip it.
1: Yeah, I don't think I can. Uh,
0: However, we can do a TGP. All right. Who's your pick for the TGP?
1: The Golden Pample Moose is going to be... um... Man, Rufus is real good. (sighs) I think it's going to be Ulysses. Okay. He didn't have a lot to say this time. That one scene. The scene that he had in the kitchen with Claire was maybe my second favorite scene. And it goes to show us a character that I know that we're going to get to know better. And he was very good. Yeah. So I'm going to say... uh, Colin McFarlane as
0: Ulysses, which is... Such a Scottish name. It just is crazy. Um, yeah, I, uh... I think that's a totally great choice. I'm going to go with Rufus, mm-hmm. uh, with Jerome Holder, with basically as always an honorable mention for Katrina Balfe, who is so good and does a very very nice job. This she did episode. a good job in this episode. So does Maria Doyle Kennedy. So does John Bell. I'm so going to need to Sam. see.
1: I'm going to need to see more from Maria Doyle Kennedy. I know really? she's got it. I know she's oh, got it
0: coming. She's fucking great.
1: I know she's got it coming. But this, I, 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 underwhelmed is the wrong word because this episode was so much not about her. Yeah, really. Um, I can't wait to see her really like dig in. It's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah, That's okay. But I know it's coming it's be because I know, I know how good that actor is and yeah. I know that they wouldn't have given a role to somebody that good that wouldn't pay off. Yeah.
0: No, she's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm going to go with Jerome Holder. Uh, and why don't we go? Out, there's nobody to break the tie this week. So we'll just say it's tied two winners this week. Yeah. Yeah. So Colin, McFarlane? Colin
1: McFarlane.
0: and as Jerome Ulysses, Holder, and Jerome Holder as as Rufus, Rufus. Mm-hmm. yeah, great, great job. Uh, also, Natalie Simpson, who plays Phaedra, is really, really good. She did good, so. but
1: I'm waiting to see more from her too. Yeah. Obviously, this episode was not so much about her as it yeah. was about the two men.
0: Um, great. So next week, I'm going to be in the woods. Is this where we start?
1: Is this where we're starting the homesteading? The beginning of the homesteading.
0: Mm. I'm not going to say.
1: You're not going to tell me? Sort right. of. Right.
0: They don't... I don't think they homestead. I don't they remember. Camp. Because they the camp. other thing... Here's the thing. They definitely woods. They okay. woods. So they woods, but also we know from the preview that uh, we're getting a little human turtleneck action. Oh, yeah, that's
1: right.
0: Yeah. Brianna so, and uh, R- R- Richard. Roger. Roger. I Richard always call is the wrong actor, name. Yeah. Roger comes um, back. So that is going to do it for us. As always, we would love to hear from you, especially if you are a person of color and if you are a black person particularly and you want to talk to us about this episode, uh, find us. You can find me on Twitter. You can. I'm at Allison Shue. Um, you can message us on Patreon or on Slack or on Facebook or whatever you want um, because we would love to hear from you. Uh, in general, we can. You can always reach us on Twitter at PodlanderCast. You can reach us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash PodlanderCast. You can find us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash PodlanderDrunkCast. If you follow us, if you subscribe on Patreon, support us on Patreon, you um, at most levels have access to our Slack channel where you can come in and chat about things. People have been chatting about this episode all day. I got both of us really hyped um, to talk about it today. Uh, Lots of hate for Sam's wig. You know what? It's not the worst I've seen. It's not the worst hair Sam's ever had. No. Because you know what? There's always that beard.
1: Oh, my God. There's
0: always done It's dunn bonnet. way better than the Dunbonnet. Mm-hmm. Um, you Patreon supporters are just the best. I, we want to thank all of you, as always, but particularly our supporters at the $10 and $20 levels. Their names are Trish McCrary, Jen Lander-Dunklin, Jenna Polkowski, Dr. J, Lori McGuire, Anne Gavin, Katie Kirshner, Amanda Newton, Beth Locke, Mary Lumpkin, Tanner Cole, Kiki, the wise, the wise, Tara Lucino, Crystal Nanavati, Ann Gibson, Ida with an I, Jessica Dobrovich, Aaron Yutze, Molly Layton, Heather Moore, Ruth McCormick, Flourish Root, Friday Payton, and Kathleen Moniz. Hi, Mom. Mom. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about woods. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.